Church Life Today is a production of Spoke Street Media and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and our listeners. It was the strength of the Israelites that scared the Pharaoh. You learn that in the first several verses of the book of Exodus. The rest of the book is about the journey to freedom. First, the liberation from Egypt, then the training in freedom through the years in the desert. The whole journey concerns Israel's growth as God's own people. Since 2016, the Exodus 90 program has been following this same path, giving men a reliable structure of basic spiritual disciplines to grow in freedom. The point is to let the true strength of men become a gift for others. My guest today is the co-founder and CEO of Exodus 90, James Baxter. James has overseen the growth of this program from a handful of men in its first year to now over 50,000 men in over 70 countries around the world and from hundreds of parishes all across the United States. I want to talk with James about the inspiration for this spiritual program, the fruits that it bears, and why something like this is so needed for men today. I'm Leonard DiLorenzo. This is Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life and the Spoke Street Media Network. I'm glad you're here. James, welcome to the show. Lenny, thanks for having me. It is Happy a, New Year. And to you as well. Now, James, Exodus 90, this program that you've helped to found, you've been working with for about six years or so. The whole program, it seems, is about cultivating freedom. So I thought we'd start by talking about freedom because I'd love to hear from you as you think about and have planned out Exodus 90. What is this freedom from that you're trying to lead people to? And what is the freedom for? Yeah, absolutely. So it's an awesome question. And honestly, we don't get it a lot. (laughs) We kind of take it for granted. We assume kind of we're talking on the same terms. So I love just going straight to terms. I was just actually reading a book this past week or kind of between Christmas and New Year's and embedded within the thoughts of this book. It was a topic about personal finance. And one of the things it assumes that like, like happiness is being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for how long you want. Hmm. And I read that and it, it troubled me at first. And I sat with it a little bit more fully because like, that's just not a Christian orientation for, for freedom at all. Right. Uh, and it, this, this sense what you know, is secular. It had to do with money and, and all that. And I couldn't help but reflect on our work at Exodus, which is, you know, fundamentally not about doing whatever you want, whenever you want with who you want for how long you want, <laughs> you know, but that to me would lead to just total misery. And like, when I look at my own experience of me trying that, It just doesn't work out very well, at least not for my peace or my joy. So freedom, it's definitely a from, and we can get into the from, but what's it for first is the love of God. Freedom is for love, you know, and and the church and specifically probably with John Paul II has talked about this gift of self. This is modeled perfectly by Christ on the cross who is the freest, you know, and yet who lays down his life. And this is like modeled by the fathers. This is lived by the saints. These people are the freest people on earth. And yet their lives are oftentimes full of sufferings, some of which are just happened to them in the course of their natural lives, but others are like absolutely voluntary. 
And I think for me, and, and this is embedded into Exodus, like that's what freedom's about. It's, it's being free to love, you know, and, and free to love those our Lord has put into our lives. And so for the most of our guys who are, are married and with young children, that's about their families. Like that's about being more present to their spouse, being more present to their children. That's what the freedom is for. Yeah. So you, you said, you know, you could also think about some of the things that people are being freed from. So I love the way actually that you put the sort of the weight to begin with on what we're freed for, because if we don't know what we're being freed for, then there's no way to assess like what's getting in the way of that. But with that understanding and conviction in mind, freed for the love of God, free to love others, free to give ourselves away. What are some of the things that, especially as you've cultivated Exodus 90, trying to help a company, especially men, to be freed from? What are some of the things that tend to pop up as obstacles? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about our guys is like, they're just so different. I mean, hmm. everybody, you know, very different places in the spiritual life. I mean, I'm, I'm always struck by like the priests and religious who go through Exodus every year. And I'm just like, wow, there's something here for you. And they always say there is, which is very humbling. But some of our guys are like, really not even close to that. Some are not really practicing the faith. And so the idols that, that guys can struggle with are, are very different, you know, but there are definitely, you know, common themes. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, is just like a distracted life is kind of what our guys call it. And that looks like, you know, wasting away their lives, you know, watching too many sports, mindlessly using social media, just on the internet a lot. And mm-hmm. some of that's embedded into work life today. And I get that. It's part of my work too, but kind of the purpose around technology use is kind of gone. Like it's become kind of a place of entertainment and that leads to just a distraction, like a frenetic kind of thing to thing to thing. And I think that really keeps us from deep thought. I think that keeps us from deep work. And I just think that keeps us kind of surface level. So distraction is a big thing. Uh, You know, that's kind of one of the first that I would, I would state other guys, chastity is a struggle, you know, with that, that kind of, you know, entertainment culture can unfortunately very viciously lead to dark places, you know? And so guys definitely come into Exodus struggling with things like pornography, masturbation as a side effect, you know, and that's, that's real. And so we do this as a step back here, effectiveness studies every year, which of course the guys voluntarily opt into Mm -hmm. just so that we can really keep a sense on like who our guys are, why they're coming and then also uh, the benefits that they receive from this time. You know, so those are, those are two of the most often reported struggles. But, you know, other guys can just, you know, really, you know, exercise as a part of Exodus and like physical, like being physical, physical fitness is a part of it. And a lot of guys don't have that habit in their life. They're not exercising their bodies. <laughs> like they're not, they're not working on their temples, you know, and I'm not the fittest person in the world. Looks like you could take me down pretty easily, Lenny. Um, We're on radio. You know, everything's good. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of also, a, you know, another dimension to this. And then probably those things though, I think just lead to guys feeling like they're not the men that they want to be. And they're not like as fully present to their vocations as they thought they would be. Hmm. That I think is down the stream a little bit of this, but unfortunately they can, you know, those negative loops can really reinforce themselves. And it really takes some intentional time to, to kind of break out, reassess and maybe build some new habits, hmm. practice some new disciplines and kind of reorient things. And a lot of guys look at Exodus as that opportunity. Yeah. Now, James, I know that uh, Exodus 
began as a spiritual formation program within a seminary context. So it was obviously for men in that context. And I think you were part of that original initial group or I was, I was not actually. So I was, I, okay. Yeah. Well, I was actually at a different seminary while oh, this was I going see. on. Okay. And then I, I discerned out. So I'd had a seminary background. Yeah. I wasn't in the first groups. So I just got kind of got the notes of what went down <laughs> <laughs> and built it from there. But in any event, you know, being in a seminary was obviously directed towards men, especially young men who were involved in a period, a longer period of formation. And as it came out of the seminary, I suppose there was the decision that this is particularly apt for men, for their spiritual formation. Why was it geared towards men? Why not in that case, like why not women? And what do you think about how Exodus 90 really maybe speaks in a specific way to men in their spiritual life? Yeah. I mean, you're right to just focus on the origin of this, which was a seminary, obviously young men studying to be priests, you know, and the simple question was like, Hey, if we need this in our formation, what about others who don't have formation houses? At <laughs> that's all? a great question. You know, yeah. and and that's that's basically where I got involved as an interesting bridge between seminary and the world. And and for me, it corresponded with my experience in a really interesting way because in, in college seminary, so I went at 18, mm-hmm. uh, really, you know, pretty young. And and the priest would really lament, like, man, I wish we could build another dorm onto this place where laymen who, you know, who had you know, called to marriage and family, had tasks in the world could come and experience a formation. And I remembered that. And I remember going home, talking with my mom and my dad about what we were experiencing and, and what a positive force it was in my own life. And my mom would often reflect on like, all men need this. Obviously there's the priestly orientation to everything, but so many common elements that were just good for Catholic men today. And so when this whole opportunity arose, it was kind of represented something to me. It was like, man, maybe this is an opportunity to build something like that, like a formation house for, for men anywhere, you know, in vocations in the world to come and experience that full formation, that holistic formation that I think makes seminary so special. But as for the, the question about, you know, like a, an orientation to men, this was a question that was the most, you know, frequently asked mm. of us early on, especially when it started to take off. And I didn't really know what to make of it. I did what I always do when I don't know what to do. I just asked for like smarter and holy, holier people than me to get involved <laughs> and help me out. I met with some, uh, some religious sisters and the sisters of life. And I just sat, like kind of made a discernment together about the whole thing. And it, was, it took a while. A couple of things came out of that time together. The first was, you know, they really thought the Holy Spirit was on our work at Exodus, which was very humbling for me and meant a lot to me. But the second thing was they, they really didn't believe that this model, this structure that we were providing was a, was a model of healing for, for women. You know, I just, I trusted them based off of their maternal and their, their focus on, on women and a lot of their different formation, a lot of their different apostolic activities. And, you know, I kind of trusted them from there. And, and I would say, as it relates to what we have written, you know, every man through our work kind of receives a scripture and a reflection. And it's just like, nuts and bolts crafted with the struggles, the sins of modern men, like in a very particular way. And I would say, obviously, you know, prayer, asceticism, community, those are not like, those are Christian elements. Like those are not just for men, but I do think in asceticism and and like those voluntary sufferings, there's something so important for men today, because like, I look at my wife as an example, we have young children. I know you, you have a couple of kids, many kids, Lenny. <laughs> and, and I, and what my, my wife goes through on a regular basis, you know, now like 
obviously, you know, preparing for pregnancy, being pregnant, uh-huh. giving birth. Like I look at her, I totally marvel. And I, and I like, I believe that. And she would say this, like that just like grounds her in a way that like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think this is, gets back to this distraction thing. I think men can just get kind of lost in just their own pursuits, their own dreams, their own desires. And, and they can get ungrounded pretty quickly without kind of some suffering that's probably voluntarily taken up, whether that's with, you know, a part of Exodus or not, you know, it doesn't matter, but it's just like, there's something in that aesthetic frame that's so important for men today that I think is like by design, by God's design built into, or like part of, or knitted into the feminine experience, hmm. you know, and that, that I think is really different. I think that's why the sisters ended up saying that and and kind of making that discernment. So I don't know what you think about that, but that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, that's profound and insightful. I mean, just, you know, as you're appealing to the example of your wife, I could think of my wife who, um, you know, as we went, especially through, gosh, the Christmas holidays and when the kids are off of school and she's not looking for any additional aesthetic practices. I'll tell you that, you know, like she's got, and it's not just her. If I were there, you know, the children are perhaps asking me for things all the time. And your time is not your own. I think my wife would would say that about a lot of her time, especially as our children are young. And to your point about your wife bearing a child and going through pregnancy, there is a sort of voluntary asceticism that comes with that in terms of choosing to bear life and giving yourself to this child. But there's also a lot in that that you don't choose. It's done to you, you wouldn't necessarily choose all of those things. So I hear what you're saying, and I find something profound and insightful in that. And the way in which you speak about men perhaps needing to more intentionally choose that because it doesn't in the same way all the time come to us as inevitably as it would perhaps to women. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that, a really that's fine, fine point. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on the Spoke Street Media Network. I am joined today by James Baxter, co-founder and CEO of Exodus 90, a 90-day spiritual formation program for men. So, James, you were talking already a little bit about the structure of Exodus 90 and how asceticism is part of the structure, prayer, community. Can you, especially for people who are not as familiar with the program itself, can you take us a little bit through maybe some of those nuts and bolts? What does the program look like? And I know that when we're talking about that, you have your foundational program, the core program that you started with in Exodus 90, and you've built from there also. But maybe take us through the core, and then we can talk about some of the other things. Yeah, so, you know, throughout all of our work, but especially during Exodus 90, that that prayer piece is is fundamental. You know, without prayer, like acts of asceticism or getting together in small groups, it's just like not not it. It's not <laughs> not it's nothing, honestly. And so, you know, during Exodus 90, you commit to to an hour of daily prayer. And we encourage all our men to to spend at least 20 minutes in silence with our Lord for for a dialogue every day. So you're reading through the book of Exodus, which we guide you through, and we've offered a reflection as well. And the reflection is really written, you know, for men with their struggles in mind, but meant to really kind of set the frame on what we hope is a, a, a powerful conversation with God every day. That's kind of our intention. And I would just say of all the testimonies we get, you know, it's the prayer stuff that's the just amazing to me. At least in our experience so far, it's like when you make that space and commitment for our Lord Jesus Christ to speak, like he, he moves, he moves. And I think our guys, many of whom do not have a habit of daily prayer mm-hmm. for Exodus are so struck and even startled by, by the voice of God and, and by his presence, you know, when you, when you ask 
and when you make time for him. We see this every year and it's it's so humbling. And and sometimes, you know, there's one time in particular, I was there's a couple of years ago, we were growing like way more than I th- ever thought we would. I really never thought that this would go on with Exodus. And I was just praying over that. And I was like, yeah, this is what happens when you make space for me. Like that was like what mm. I really felt like he gave to me that day. And so, you know, that prayer time, especially the contemplative time where, you know, we do our best and there's more we can be doing. And I'm sure we'll do in the future to help facilitate this, but just, yeah, just spending that time, sharing your heart, sharing your desires with our Lord, and then allowing him to like mold you that uh, I think makes, makes it so special and so important. You know, on that foundation is, is the aesthetic piece. This is kind of what can stand out about our work. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I kind of find that a little unfortunate because it's such a fundamental part of our tradition, but it's, it's definitely been a little bit forgotten, maybe a little bit neglected too, but like, yeah, when you look at the catechism or you just look at the saints, it's like, I've not really read the life of a saint that ends in, you know, they lived happily ever after (laughs) they did whatever they wanted. You know, it's like, no man, like life was tough. You know, the times they were in were challenging, you know, there's a lot of divisions, you know, and you see a lot of sufferings and you see a lot of things that they took on to unite themselves to Christ. So asceticism is, is, Definitely a part of uh, of this whole experience. Everyone talks about the cold showers. There's a piece to that, but um, there's this also is one of positive. the recommended practices: is take a short yeah. cold shower throughout these ninety yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, multiple uh, sh- uh, short cold showers, not just one short cold shower, but that's that's the showering <laughs> practice. Yeah. yeah, you know, we we really kind of try to return technology to a tool. Mm-hmm. Is kind of my thinking around this. What is it used um, for? Is yeah, the what's primary it used question, for? right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's important. So obviously it's like, that's a part of my work. It's, I'm sure it's a part of your work right. and you know, it's obviously got to do your work, but it's just like, what's it for? You know, like that's, that's a big thing. Exercise, regular and intense exercise. We encourage guys to sleep. Now, obviously you've got young kids. So we're trying to get my son to stay in a bed. We just removed him from a crib and he's coming in and waking me up every couple hours yeah. and saying, now, Joseph is awake. Yeah. Joseph is awake. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Thank you, Joseph. We so, were not aware. So, yes. So I'm not getting the sleep I need and that's fine. Like that's, that's part of fatherhood, you know, yeah. but that, well, I got you know, a 16 where, year old now. It's the opposite uh, problem. So you know, you're like, please get awake. Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But you know, that's a component. We fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, mm. nothing intense. It's it's just the, the the fast that the church offers on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, which we do every Wednesday and Friday. So those are a couple. We don't eat between meals, kind of eliminate sweets generally, and we abstain from alcohol. So those are the kind of the ascetic components. I'd say depends on who you are. Some guys come into Exodus. Some parts are hard and some parts are just kind of already a part of their life. Everybody's a little bit different, you know, but uh, our encouragement is while you're here with us and, and doing this this journey to take it up, you know, and that can require some preparation, some time shouldn't just be, you know, don't want to just say, all right, it's day one, I'm in, you know, it's like, <laughs> take some, take some discernment yeah, because it is a lot. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But what we find is that it really simplifies your life. So our guys regularly talk about how before Exodus, they're just so busy and they're so struck in the first couple of weeks by how much time they have. And, you know, so much of that time was taken up by unnecessary things, clutter, exactly. distraction. Okay. Exactly. And things that weren't a part of our life, like even 50 years ago. Right. So this is cool because then there is that time for prayer. And then this fraternity meeting, which we'll talk about, doesn't seem so impossible, you know, or intentional conversations with your spouse, your kids, all that stuff, all of that. You have plenty of time. You really do. And that's what our guys learn pretty quick. And then the last piece is the fraternity so that, you know, we're not into self-help work. Christianity is 
fundamentally communal. That's why the fraternity is so important. Four to six guys, sometimes a little smaller, sometimes a little bigger. When you can have a spiritual director, like maybe your pastor or whatever, you know, that's definitely ideal. It's not possible for all of our fraternities, but you know, so you meet every week and there's a simple structure for prayer and accountability. So Exodus fraternities are neat because they're really different from Bible studies. Obviously Bible studies are really important and serve their own right, but it's a lot less about what you're learning in the book of Exodus and a lot more about what you are going through. And so it's just an awesome time to live in the light. And this for me was a really important element of my time in seminary formation. It's just like, Hey, life's a lot better when you're in the light, you know, and you're not hiding, especially from people that can call you to be more and help you on the way. And I don't know, when I look at a lot of the struggles in the church, you know, and some of the scandals in the church, it's just like, you know, at some point that man didn't live in the light anymore. And when you're in the light, you're free, even when you're struggling. So that's an important piece of it. And then within the fraternity, so you meet with them every week, but then uh, you check in with an anchor, one of the guys in the fraternity well, every day, you know, how's prayer going? You can talk about a grace you received, or maybe it's an aesthetic practice that you're loving or hating, you know, it can be anything really, but yeah. just a point of connection every day. So all of those things are kind of principles of ours, I guess. And as you mentioned, we have a whole biblical series now for men to continue their journey through the biblical stories after having made their way through Exodus. The aesthetic component is not quite as intense and much more realistic in this year's long journey. But it's still there. And I think if we had maybe, you know, a point that we were making and all that, it's just, yeah, the ascetic life is not just something for Lent, you know, like it's, it's a really important piece of encountering God fully and becoming the man you want to be. So those are, those are kind of the pillars. Yeah. I imagine most of us can pretty easily imagine why the book of Exodus is the sort of core text for the Exodus 90 program. I mean, (laughs) you've named the program after it. It's the Exodus 90. But I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the book of Exodus, why the book of Exodus, and what fruit comes from the slow and intentional reading of this book through these 90 days. Yeah, that's an awesome question. I think, yeah, I mean, Father Brian, who, who developed this whole thing, you know, he found in it just this powerful image, you know, for men today and one that I I observe. And when you, when you think about the Israelites, even at the beginning, what's so interesting about them, and this is why they end up getting, you know, persecuted really hard is they're strong. Yeah. They're powerful. Yeah. And Pharaoh fears them. And I think there's just something so fitting mm. for men, men who have so many gifts, so many talents, you know, God's entrusted all of us, you know, with, with great power and great responsibility. And yet sometimes that very power and those very skills you know, can, can enslave us, you know, in a way. So there's something in that that's always really, really struck me. But then there's just this idea that like, yeah, God could have freed the Israelites however he wanted to. And, you know, what does he do? But like ask for dependence, radical dependence, like following his voice literally. And what's the result? This just long slog around the desert and, and <laughs> biblical scholars. And I am not a biblical scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, one of the reflections, like even just when you look at the geography of it all, it's like how they probably went in circles and all around <laughs> all the time, like in this, like in this, Definitely. Know, and just like, I'm sorry, but like, when I look at my life, like that sounds like my life. I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, like this stuff is for me as it is for anybody. And yeah, when I look at my life, it's like, yep, yeah, uh, I was dumb. You know, like that was a distraction, you know, but at the same time, the pillar of fire is there, you know, God is there. And, and he's calling us back to continue to trust him and to surrender to him. So 
Yeah. I mean, those are, I could say a billion other things, yeah. but top of mind, those are the things that strike me about the story. And I think why it's so important for men today. And, and, you know, I'm really grateful for even some secular figures today that are representing the scriptures in pretty interesting ways because they are so powerful and they are so embedded into kind of Western consciousness in a way. I'm grateful for that because, you know, this story, I mean, all the biblical stories are, but there's just something so important, mm. I think, for men today. So. Well, I think back to the very first thing you were talking about today in our conversation when I asked you, what is this freedom for? And you said the freedom for the love of God, the freedom to love others. And just reflecting on the book of Exodus and the journey of the Israelites, I think in our popular imagination, we imagine that the deliverance from slavery is what takes place in the entire book. And it's all about Egypt, but they're freed from the Egyptians by chapter 15, right? Like by chapter 14, they go through the Red Sea. And then chapter 15, they're on the other side of the Red Sea. You got 25 chapters to go, right? So most of the journey is outside of Egypt into freedom. So what gives? And to go back to what you were saying, like, what are you freed for, for the love of God? They have to be formed to want that, to desire God's love, to desire God's word. Because the first thing they do on the other side of the Red Sea is they complain about not being back in Egypt where at least they had flesh pots because now they're hungry, right? So this enfleshment, let's put it that way, of freedom takes a very long time. And 90 days to many people probably seems like a long time for a program. But in this case, it's a short time compared to the 40 years that it took the whole generation of the Israelites. And over the course of our entire lives, we're learning that freedom, right? Like we have to have that desire formed in us, the desire of God. Absolutely. And I would just add on to that by saying like, when we look at our work with, with Exodus 90 in particular, you know, we don't look at it like a finish line. Like it's really got to be viewed as like a starting point. And hopefully yeah. you carry this prayer, this ascetic, this communal element into the rest of your life. Because, you know, especially in this time, you know, if you're not intentionally being formed by the truths of the gospel, you are being formed. You just don't know by what mm-hmm. and by what principles, mm. you know, formation especially now it like it's forever i mean and and this this is of course i think why the saints always talked about persevering in the faith until death which is something i think would be it's really important for us to return to that formation can't just be a 90-day thing that that really it's got to be an ongoing thing it's got to be an everyday thing or else we're just going to get off the path and wander again. Yes. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on the Spoke Street Media Network. I'm joined today by James Baxter, co-founder and CEO of Exodus 90, a 90-day spiritual formation program for men. Now, James, a little earlier, you spoke about the effectiveness studies you do on the program fairly regularly. How do you conduct effectiveness studies on something like this? And what do you find in your studies? Yeah. So just a background, this was one of those things where when you're starting something, especially I would just say this, I was in the seminary, I was a philosopher first, a theologian for a little bit of time. So things like affecting the studies back in the day, I'd have been like, that's dumb. Like, I, why, why do you need to do any of that stuff? You know, but when you're trying to, to build something and then, you know, seek resources, you yeah. know, for growth, like people care and, and it's important that they do so that they know that they're stewarding their funds well. So I actually showed up to OSV asked them for too much money, basically. And they're like, hey, before we do anything, we just like to know that like this is as beneficial as you believe it to be from your stories. And the truth was, is at the time, I only had anecdotes to give and I only had stories to give. And it's not to devalue those. Like they were really important for me personally to keep going. 
but um, that's all I had. And so in short, yeah, we work with a faith-based, but you know, they also do a lot of secular work as well. They're extremely excellent, competent folks, but uh, yeah, independent research that basically our guys can opt into if they want. Basically what it does is helps us to understand like, do they pray? How much do they pray? You know, behaviorally, what are their lives like mm-hmm. before Exodus? And then afterwards, it's like, well, well, where are you now? And we're starting to do these even years after to kind of come to understand, you know, what happens during this period of time. I've mentioned this already, but the prayer piece is 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 really neat. You know, not of our guy, all of our guys are praying daily before Exodus. By the end, they are, which is neat. But specifically as it relates to the kind of prayer that they do, their time in, in contemplative prayer, silent prayer, more than doubles. That's just a a, a big thing that kind of that emerges there that I I always really you know enjoy. When we ask just like life satisfaction stuff, which is a little more qualitative and a little less quantitative, we just ask like, hey, your experience of peace, your experience of joy, where are those at before Exodus? Those are not present in most of our guys. Like one in 10 guys says they say that they experience peace and joy on a regular basis before they start Exodus. This increases like sixfold. So wow. not, I'm not saying everybody ends Exodus just like, oh man, I'm just, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, it's, it's so interesting how many more men do say that they ha- like have these experiences um, that we believe obviously are of, of the Holy Spirit and not just uh, yeah. natural level things. So that's neat. And then I think the, the other thing is just, you know, when we look at behaviors too, I mentioned distraction being the struggle. 50% of our guys say that they are distracted every single day on some kind of screen or f- form of entertainment before Exodus. And by the end, 6% of guys say that. Wow. So, which is really very interesting. So, I mean, what do you learn from that? Well, obviously Exodus is not a magic bullet. We don't claim it to be. It's it's not something we can run infomercials on and do very well in. (laughs) But, you know, we just think that it's a step in the right direction, you know, for a lot of guys. So those are a couple of things. It's a dependable structure. You can trust this structure to help you develop the kind of habits and spiritual disciplines that you would want to have, but you can't just will yourself into on your own, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when you do men's formation work in particular, and when you talk about asceticism, you know, it's pretty easy to straw man it or like kind of caricature it, kind of like secular self-help stuff. Mm. And we just don't view it that way at all. Like we don't view it as like white knuckling or just doing things because it's hard or anything like that. I mean, from day one, it's like, hey, fundamentally, like we try to really reorient this to grace and dependence upon um, upon God because we know guys can fall into that struggle. Yeah. It's really important to like have that orientation as we look at all this stuff. And then what's so cool is like on a psychological level, therapists are really interested because in our studies, they're finding some of the clearest representations of how spiritual practices lead to behavioral changes uh, in people's lives. So that was not something that I ever expected to happen. Yeah, this stuff works. And I think if I had a conclusion to all of it, it's like, when you look at what we're doing with Exodus, it's very simple. I mean, we're representing very basic pillars of Christianity and, and we're representing them to men today in, in terms of, you know, I think that they can understand and, and what's so compelling about it all is, I mean, it's working and guys are excited about it. This is why it grows every year. It's not because we're some big team. It's because guys are passionate about it. At the end of the day, that's because like, yeah, Christianity works. Like it's a better life. <laughs> you should try it. <laughs> that, would, that would make a great t-shirt that should not be made or sold, but it would make a great t-shirt. Yeah, no, that's excellent. So James, you know, for people who are listening, maybe again, they haven't been familiar with this. If they were interested in finding out more or they want to learn, like, how do I 
you know, explore this, maybe get started, dip my toe in? Like, what would you tell them to do? Where, the, where can they go to, to discover some more about this? Absolutely. Yeah. So just Exodus90.com is where we have all of our information. You know, there you can find like kind of a more detailed version of how kind of the 90-day experience works. We've also come out with a, you know, a lot of different things to kind of make it a little easier to get involved. Asceticism is, you know, again, not, not something that everyone practices. So we've released some seven day challenges to what we call get comfortable <laughs> with, with discipline, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and just kind of get introduced to kind of a new way of thinking about some of these practices, you know, and that's been, been really neat to see. And we also publish a daily gospel reflection as mm-hmm. well. So that really kind of takes the day's gospel from the church, you know, where it's fitting, you know, the same kind of men's struggles in mind. And same kind of principles of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. So you can find that all of our uh, all that stuff on our site. We do have an app as well. That's where our gospel reflection is too. So excellent. And the ninety days. I imagine people could do these at any time, but you really try and focus on particular times of year. I imagine around Lent is a is a key time, but Lent is not ninety days. So what are the you know natural starting and ending points for the Exodus ninety journey on an annual basis? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So this whole idea of 90 days to Easter was not an idea that we came up with or that was uh, true in, in the seminary. This kind of happened to us. So it was, you know, 2016 was our first year. In 2017, we added like a few thousand guys within a few days, 90 days before Easter. And I literally <laughs> thought we were being hacked. I like thought somebody was joking <laughs> with me. In fact, like when I first looked at what was going on, I was just like, there's no way this is real. And I, I didn't even look into it for a few days. I was just like, there's just no way. Yeah, going to find out the guys from the first year brought their friends. And so like this idea around starting in January, we kind of learned from the men themselves to be honest with you. So, so yeah, obviously the start date changes because Easter moves. Yep. So this year, Easter's on April 17th, our start date is Well, people will be yeah, listening to this episode for decades to come. So 20, yeah, 2022, so the start date, right. what's the start date again? Yeah, January 17th. Okay. So coming up yeah, here really soon. So January 17th. And what's cool about this as well is, and it took me a little while to realize this, probably because I'm a little slow, day 45 midway is always Ash Wednesday. So I should have known that earlier, but <laughs> that's how it works. And that's really kind of cool, kind of beautiful. And a lot of guys find that it's an awesome entry point into, into Lent. So that's easily our, our biggest time of the year for Exodus 90 in particular. Another, you know, other guys choose to, to, to go through the fall ending on Christmas. You know, we've seen that before, but those are, are really our, our big times that, that we see this kind of taken up. And most of our biblical series work and our other ongoing formation uh, programming happens kind of evergreen throughout the rest of the year. Okay. Let me ask just one last question before we go. So you're talking about especially the development of additional content, different ways in which formation can be provided. You know, one of the things I think many of us have seen in the last decade or so is the rise of digital ministry series or things that are coming out there that aren't necessarily rooted in particular parish communities. And then we have the spiritual gurus and the social media pastors who sometimes are supplanting the role, the voice of the pastor in the parish or the mentors within a parish setting. How do you see Exodus 90 in relation to concrete parish communities? And what do you think about that kind of relationship between what is happening within a parish and what might be coming from outside the parish, but hopefully maybe building up a parish. Absolutely. So first thing I would say is I actually moved to Fort Wayne because Bishop Rhodes was willing to, to bless the work that we were yeah. doing. So like having an authority to embed our work in was a spiritual authority is extremely important to yeah. me. So I didn't know anyone up here. I, actually, I knew one person, 
but kind of started my life over in a way five years ago, kind of with his support and friendship and partnership. And I was really grateful for that. In terms of the parishes, you know, this year, I would say like, as we're going along, more and more parishes are using Exodus in their men's formation initiatives. So this year, it's really humbling to say we have like, go, you know, over 500 parishes actually in the United States, you know, where the priests are, you know, preaching about these topics that we're talking about today and like kind of helping in the, in the formation of their groups, you know? And so I would just say at the same time, it's not always in the parish, you know, it can yeah. be guys at, at work who are, are bonding together, brothers, even maybe who are separated by some time zones, you know, doing remote groups. We see that pretty commonly as well, but it can definitely be a tool for the local church and the local community, the importance of which is really obvious. One of the things that's super interesting, going back to those effectiveness studies is that guys are way more likely to volunteer at their parishes and interestingly enough, donate to their parishes after Exodus. Mm. And that's interesting because we don't talk anything about either of those dimensions, but I think that's just part of what happens when we talk about this gift of self. It's like, well, well, where do you go? Well, family first, probably, but then like your local church parish community is, is kind of a natural extension of that. So, you know, we see more and more about how Exodus fraternities are kind of becoming go-to for their pastors when they have kind of needs that they need some men to step up and take care of, which is really rewarding. You know, the struggle you've talked about is, is, is a really interesting one, you know, and I definitely, definitely hear that for sure. Excellent. Well, James, this has been just a really fruitful conversation. Thanks for breaking this open with us, this inspiring and insightful work in the way in which you've provided and helped to cultivate a structure that is leading so many men to more authentic freedom. So thanks so much for spending the time with us here today. Lenny, hey, God bless. Thanks for this opportunity today. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life Today. Church Life Today is a production of Spoke Street Media and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.